0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Soul's Work podcast, the show where we talk about exploring our spiritual journeys and uncovering our authentic selves. I'm your host, Janice Ho, and we are going to start off each episode with an intention, which is to enter this shared space from a place of honesty and to listen to the voice of fear when it arises, but ultimately move past it in order to do our soul's work. Hey everyone, I hope you are doing very well this week. Thanks so much for being here with me today. It's so great to be back with a new episode. And my friends, today I want to start exploring a topic that has been on my mind for a really, really long time. And I want to talk about this here to add one more voice to the public discussion around this because, well... I actually don't hear many voices speaking on this topic at all, and that is the topic of Asian female identity. More specifically, the experience of identifying as an Asian female. So I identify as Korean, also as Canadian, but I look noticeably Korean or more broadly Asian, and I also identify as female. But even if you don't identify as an Asian female specifically, I feel like everyone can relate to the experience of having inherited or adopted certain identities because we all have. We all each embody a number of identities and maybe take a moment to think about what some of those are for you. Whether those identities are related to race, gender, your profession, the identity of being an adult or a parent, the identity of being part of the working class, the middle class, and so on. The key thing I want to go back to and emphasize here is that these are our identities that we have inherited or adopted, meaning that they have come from outside of us, whether from our parents, our friends, or the broader society. So they are socially made identities. But the tricky thing is, is that a lot of times these identities become so embedded and ingrained within us, oftentimes from a really young age, that we come to believe that those identities are actually an essential core part of ourselves. Like it is really hard for me, for example, to not think that being Asian or being a female is not an integral, essential part of who I am. And I think where this can pose a challenge and why for me this is relevant to my exploration of spirituality is when the stereotypes and expectations that come along with the identities we inherit or adopt are not actually in alignment with our authentic selves. So it's not necessarily to say that identities are bad, period, but it's when we start expecting ourselves to be a certain way act a certain way, think a certain way, because we believe it's what a quote-unquote good parent should do. It's how an appropriate Asian female is expected to behave and so on. And that's not actually what makes us feel good or genuine. That is where becoming deeply aware of how our identities are influencing us in this way, I think becomes really important. And I know for me, that feeling of misalignment has in fact been the case when it comes to the Asian female identity that I inherited and then internalized and embodied for pretty much my whole life. And I'm still embodying that identity today, but I want to start unpacking it because I recognize the way I've internalized and embodied those identities have actually led to a lot of self-limiting beliefs for me. So this episode is really almost an introduction, let's say, to this topic. I want to keep talking about it in the future. I'm really excited to share that I'll be having a guest on the show, my friend Mary, yeah, where we will continue to explore this topic more deeply together. All right, let's dive in. So by way of background, I am, as mentioned, Korean Canadian, second generation, My parents are both from Korea, and since everyone always asks, my dad was born in the northern part of Korea when Korea was still one whole country, and then his family fled to the south when the war broke out when he was about three, and he lived in South Korea until his early thirties, which is when he came to Canada. My mom was born in South Korea, but her family actually moved to Bolivia when she was eight and she lived there until age 26, which is when she came to Canada, Toronto specifically, where she met my dad and then later had my sister and I. And so Spanish is her first language. She is one of 10 siblings. Nine of them lived in Bolivia together, and most of them are now in Toronto. So I grew up with these aunts and uncles from my mom's side, who obviously had the Korean cultural influence, but also had the influence of having grown up in South America. And to be honest, I never really felt a strong connection with my Korean culture. I don't speak Korean. I've actually always been trying to learn Spanish and still want to become fluent in that. I grew up in a very multicultural neighborhood and my elementary, middle, and high schools were all very, very mixed race-wise. I had friends from all backgrounds, Trinidadian, Indian, Jamaican, white, Chinese, Vietnamese, and so on. And I actually barely had any Korean friends. So I don't know exactly when I started noticing or feeling that I was different from others due to my Asian racial identity or when I started understanding how the world perceived me as an Asian female. I do recall that as a kid I sometimes experienced that feeling of otherness being called you know like a chink by some other kids who probably didn't know any better and I think that this is a really common story for Asian people to think back to when they were younger and being called those kinds of derogatory names on account of what they look like and when you're young you don't really understand how racism and discrimination works in society so oftentimes You just simply feel like the shittiness, for lack of a better term, of being pointed out as different based on what you look like or being treated differently. And if it's other kids making fun of you, obviously you feel that your difference is not welcome. And my experience as I continue to get older was to really start becoming aware of this sense of otherness, especially as I started consuming more media, whether it was the news or movies, TV, and once the internet boom really exploded, social media, of course, And especially as I entered higher levels of education and started getting into my professional career as a researcher in the criminal justice field. And I started to see how the world perceived me as an Asian female. And a lot of this was probably going on at a very subconscious level. But I also began internalizing the stereotypes and expectations that came along with my Asian female identity. And by the way, certainly I think some of those expectations had already begun to be ingrained within me by my parents at a really young age. And it's only years later that I can really look back at all of this and see where those stereotypes and expectations of being an Asian female came into play at various points in my life and how much they have impacted me. Okay, so what are those stereotypes and expectations of being an Asian female? Let me first tell you. What is not expected? <laughs> I recently saw an Instagram post on Lara Rose Duong's page. So Lara Rose is a mon- modern money witch and of Asian descent as well. And her Instagram post was a photo of Margaret Cho, who is a Korean-American stand-up comedian, actress, among other things. Uh, she's now about 50 years old. She's been in the ent- entertainment industry for a while now. And in the post, Margaret is wearing this like sleeveless shirt, it looks like and these really short shorts and you can see all these big tattoos covering her arm and her legs and she's wearing bright red lipstick has her hair down and she's snuggling on the couch with like her very cute dog <laughs> and she looks fierce she looks fierce and like she was owning her body and owning herself. And Laura Rose wrote about how she's looked up to Margaret since she was young. And for her, Margaret is raw, spicy, has an honest voice, and really broke a lot of the stereotypes of what it meant to be Asian. And that image in the Instagram post is breaking the traditional stereotypes of what it means to be an Asian female. And seriously, Margaret, thank you. So now what are those stereotypes? I just published a new blog post on com. I'll link to it in the show notes where I put up this mind map where I brainstormed this very question. So Asian female is at the center of the mind map and branching out from there I have passive or submissive and further branching from that is tell me what to do and ask permission. I also have quiet, delicate, responsibility to my family, give respect, save face and that is often saving face of others. And then in terms of media portrayal, that further branches out to things like sex object, sidekick, etc. And these are just some of the very first thoughts that I put out on this mind map. It's not finished, but number one, as you can probably tell, at least for me, the way that I have come to understand how the world sees me as an Asian female hasn't necessarily been positive. And I want to just talk a little bit more about media portrayal of Asian females for a second to expand on this. Because people do absolutely take in those images and the messaging that comes along with it, even if at a subconscious level. And that can oftentimes then inform the way that they perceive and treat the Asian woman that they come across in their everyday lives. Whether that's at school, work, in their dating life, etc. So I came across an article called, We're the Geeks, the Prostitutes. Asian American Actors on Hollywood's Barriers from TheGuardian.com that talks about how Asian actresses regularly go up for parts as masseuses and sex workers or characters described as submissive, fragile, or quiet. And have a read at this article. I'll link to that as well. It makes me cringe is a mild word. (laughs) Throw Up In My Mouth is a little more accurate just reading the descriptions of the kinds of roles that Asian actors and actresses are offered. And it borders on almost humorous because it's just so ridiculous to think that we are so one dimensional like that and that these are the only kind of roles that we could ever play. Or we're zero dimensional. We're invisible. Sometimes we're just not even there. The article also talks about how Asian characters made up only 3 to 4% of roles in scripted broadcast and cable shows in the 2014 to 15 season. That was from a UCLA report. And of the top 100 films of 2015, 49 had no Asian characters and 0 leading roles went to Asians. And that is what I have felt when I have looked for people who look like me, whether it's role models, leaders, or even just my peers, in the spaces that I have been a part of or wanted to be a part of, whether in school, particularly in university, especially during my master's year, at work, in the arts, the outdoors, in social justice dialogues, including the feminist movement dialogue, and in the spiritual space. It oftentimes feels like Asian women do not have a strong presence in these spaces and that our voices are not part of the conversation. And honestly, that shit pisses me off. It makes me sad, but mostly these days, it just pisses me off. One, because we are obviously so much more than these narrow stereotypes that have been drawn up of us. But secondly... I'm pissed off because despite that, I know that I have still ended up internalizing a lot of those expectations myself. Because that shit is so insidious. It starts from when you are so young and can't like critically assess what's going on with these social power structures and dynamics. You just take in the images you see, you take in the way that people treat you, and you become socialized to make connections between being an Asian female and how you're expected to think and act. So you can imagine that stereotypes of Asian females being passive, of keeping quiet, would lead to the belief that I shouldn't speak up. I shouldn't voice my opinion if it might lead to conflict. Constantly seeing Asian women in subservient roles and certainly not in positions of power, both in media and also in my personal life, like seeing the relationship between my mom and dad, Not seeing Asian women represented in positions of power or authority in school or work led to the belief that perhaps I myself didn't belong in strong leadership roles. That instead, I would be acting as an acceptable Asian female if I was more complacent and agreeable and if I was serving others in whatever relationship I was in, whether that was a romantic relationship, a friendship, or a professional relationship. And the thing with stereotypes is that it's like a vicious cycle because other people also internalize these stereotypes and expectations of Asian females. And, you know, oftentimes on a very subconscious level, but then treat Asian females accordingly. And in turn, we as Asian females, also probably on a very subconscious level, internalize the way we see people treating us and have those expectations of us further reinforced. A couple of my friends shared with me this experience of not being taken seriously as an Asian woman, which I can relate to, especially because we do look a lot younger than we are. That's kind of typical for a lot of Asian females. I'm 35, but I look like I'm in my early 20s, maybe even younger sometimes. So because of this, one of my friends was saying that she often gets the sense that she's not being taken seriously by older white men for example. She's been told that she looks like a college student in her early 20s which is not something she wants to hear when she wants to make progress in her career. I feel you. (laughs) And similarly another friend said there have been countless times that I have felt dismissed or not taken seriously and I always felt it was because I was an Asian woman which translates to others as a little immigrant girl. Early on in my adult life I have experienced many skeptics from meetings and still today I am met with skepticism in business. There are moments of weakness and embarrassment when you are talked down to and leaving feeling like you're worthless but then the anger takes over and you put your all into what you do. And I want to almost cry reading that and I want to thank both of these amazing incredible women for sharing and thank you to all of my Asian sisters who have shared with me in the past few days about their own experiences or thoughts on this and you know this can be a difficult topic to dive into because even if we're not ashamed of who we are there can still be a lot of that feeling of shame and embarrassment and anger that comes along with the experiences of being treated a certain way due to simply what we look like So I think about how it might have influenced me as a young girl to maybe grow up seeing more images like the one of Margaret Cho that I described earlier, instead of being constantly fed images of the subservient Asian female. I think about how right now, I still really want to see strong, confident women who look like me speaking out on matters that I care about. And confession time, before I launched this podcast, I actually googled Asian female podcasters, because as someone who has felt like our voices are not out there, I honestly just needed to know that there was another Asian female in podcast land who I could trust strength and confidence from to do my own podcast. And there are a handful now that I've come across. Not a lot, but a handful. But I really want to shout out Minji Chang from First of All Podcast. This is truly one of my favorite podcasts right now. And I literally listened to her before pressing record on my first episode because Minji is someone who speaks her mind, even though I know she is showing a great deal of vulnerability to do so. So in the show notes, I'm going to link to a couple of great episodes of hers where she focuses on this conversation on the experience of being an Asian female. I really do think that more of us need to speak out on our experiences and create that presence that's missing. And I just want to send all my gratitude and love to you, Minji, for your inspiration and your bravery and speaking out on the things that matter to you. Thank you so much. And just for the sake of time here, I'm not going to get into every aspect of why this invisibility or one-dimensional portrayal of Asian women so deeply frustrates me. Although when I say it like that, I think a lot of it should be pretty obvious. But for now, I want to just bring all of this discussion on inherited identities, the expectations that come along with those, and focus it on one aspect of how internalizing my Asian female identity has affected my spiritual growth. And then we're going to wrap up this conversation for now. So, in the very first episode of this podcast, I mentioned how Eckhart Tolle spoke about us having two identities. So, one, the form identity, which is the you that has experiences in this world, you know, goes out and tries to get the best job that you can, et cetera, et cetera. Then there is the other you, the formless, timeless essence of who you are. And he talked about the importance of knowing that other you, that authentic you, because no matter what the form identity experiences, which is always changing in life, that timeless essence of who you are always remains the same. And Eckhart also refers to the form identity, that first identity, as a conceptual identity. So he says, everybody has some conceptual identity, which is part of who you are as form. But to derive your entire sense of self from these mental concepts is a prison. And the moment that you become present, you have no conceptual identity anymore. You have no image in your mind of who you are. And so in relation to this discussion, our conceptual identities include our gender identity and our racial identity. So gender and race are actually concepts they are social constructs in other words they are categories that have been created by society and along with that the expectations of what it means to fit into those specific categories have also been created by society and i'm going to link to a couple of articles in the show notes that further explain why gender and race are social constructs if that interests you and I really emphasize this, though, because a lot of people sometimes assume that gender and race are fixed, like they're more fixed biological traits, but they are, in fact, fluid and they can change depending on the context. They can change over time and they can change from place to place. For example, one of my friends shared about her experience on this. She tra- she's lived in different places around the world and she said, I feel like living abroad highlights just how much of my life experiences are shaped by the more visible aspects of who I am. In Buenos Aires, for years, where being Asian was a good thing, and now in Istanbul, where it's not necessarily bad, but not as welcome. So, what it means to be in the category of Asian female isn't necessarily the same in one part of the world as it is in another. So, bottom line our racial and gender identities, my identity as an Asian female is part of that form identity it's not actually part of my essential being and no matter what race or gender you identify with those are identities that you have basically inherited from society and when the socially created expectations of what it means to be placed into those identities or categories are not truly in alignment with how you actually think and how you actually want to behave and present yourself to the world, then this can cause a great deal of friction inside your soul. And for me personally, the expectations that come along with holding that identity of Asian female have, yes, in many cases, led me to repress who I really am and to develop a lot of self-limiting beliefs about what I'm capable of doing. And so this has been and is continuing to be part of my soul's work on uncovering my authentic self. Firstly, just to even recognize how much my Asian female identity has influenced my self-beliefs and behaviors, and then working to peel away those layers of socially prescribed expectations of who I should be so that I can get down to who I really am and honor that. Because truly... I am someone who has shit to say and wants to say it. I am someone who has a burning desire to create and then share those creations with others, whether it's through music, writing, this podcast. I am someone who loves to sleep in the backcountry for days on end and befriend the trees. I am someone who loves to explore new places and cultures in the world. I am someone who, yeah, can be really quiet because I'm a little bit introverted and I can be really nice, but... I can also talk a lot of shit and swear like a fucking sailor. I sing with soul. I am passionate and I want to help this world as much as I can in the time I have left here, but also take care of myself and feel completely fulfilled in what I'm doing. I could go on and on and on, but my point is, is that none of those things to me are particular to my identity as a Asian female. Those things are just me. They're the things that I love and that set my soul on fire, but I'm also cognizant that some of those things can also be held as identities and that they can also change over time. You know, some of those things may still be part of that form identity. So if I'm going to go even one step further down into understanding who I really am, honestly, I feel like that part of me can't even be described. It is that formless, timeless essence that Eckhart Tolle talked about it is presence. It is just being. It is my soul. It is energy. It is love. And those elements of myself are always going to be constant. No matter if I lose interest in traveling one day, or if I decide to stop writing for whatever reason, it will still be constant and at my core. And when you get down to that level of who you are, that soul, that being, it is the same. As the person walking past you on the street, it is the same as the person living on the other side of the world. It is the same as the person you love and it is the same as the person who annoys the living shit out of you. When we get that deep down, there is nothing that sets us apart and I know it is so hard to see that because we are so focused on socially constructed identities because we have learned to think of someone who looks different from us as being essentially different from us, but we really aren't. Now, despite that, I do think we absolutely need to have this conversation first. There is no point, in my opinion, in saying all lives matter because even though technically, obviously all lives matter, color still matters. And it doesn't serve us to, on an individual level, doing this spiritual work where we're trying to reconnect with our authentic selves and then on a broader level to be doing this social justice work on racial and gender equality or even the work of moving towards one collective awakened consciousness if we don't first open up this sometimes painful discussion about where we are at right now and make that right heal that before we just move on and say let's come together as one and where we are at right now honestly is not okay. We still have a lot of work to do in changing the dominant narrative in society. So this has just been the start. This is me opening up the conversation here on this podcast. I know that I've only scratched the surface, but we will definitely, definitely be continuing this discussion in future episodes. So please stay tuned. All right, y'all. On one hand, I want to offer you some soul work today, but on the other, I think that this topic on identities, especially racial and gender identities, is a really complex one. It is so individual in terms of what we each personally experience as a result of our own identities, and I'm still clearly figuring a lot of this stuff out myself. So I just really want to extend an invitation to you. If you'd like, To share your own experiences with me, not just if you're an Asian female, but given that I really do want to hear more of our voices on this topic, I absolutely would be honored to hear from my Asian sisters around the world about your own experiences. You know, maybe they're different from mine. I would love to know. But really, in all honesty, I would love to hear from anyone about how you feel your own inherited or adopted identities have shaped your life experiences so if you'd like to share please email me at janice.sj.ho at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in today thank you for sharing this safe space with me with an open mind an open heart i want to shout out my friend medea thank you medea for reaching out sharing a bit about your own story and sharing with me your beautiful energy and encouragement you are amazing thank you so much I want to also say thanks to Mary Wimmer, who is also a friend from high school. I love how I'm reconnecting with good people from my past. Mary, I adore you. I loved our conversation on this topic the other day, and I just can't wait to connect again on it. Thank you so much for sharing with me. You can find all of the episodes, show notes, including links to any resources I mentioned during the episode at the soulsworkpodcast.com. The podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, FM Player, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Please do rate and review if you are enjoying this podcast so that others can join our little soul community here. Also visit me at JanishoCreative.com where my blog and some of my music lives. You can follow my Facebook page at Janice Ho Creative, Instagram at Janicehoe Images, and on Twitter at Janice Ho Tweets. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your week. Lots of love and self-love. And see you on the next episode of the Souls Work Podcast.